So for the past four Sundays, we've been celebrating the Advent season with the promise. As we looked at Scripture, we saw a God who always keeps His promises. And we saw four groups of people who experienced those promises. God brought Simeon hope. He brought the shepherds peace. He brought Zechariah joy. And he brought into the life of Mary love everlasting. Those promises were all fulfilled in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, the promised Messiah, the Savior. But today, Christmas is over. The presents have all been open. The wrapping may still be strewn about your house. There may be little bits and pieces of ribbons and bows that you still have to find underneath couches and cabinets. Hiding presents from the kids is over. Christmas cards have been sent, maybe, did you, if you got to it this year. You may still have people at your house for the holidays. Some of them may have already headed home. But Christmas 2021 is officially over. And for all of you that wanted things to go perfectly, there's always next year. Does that mean that we're done with God's promises of hope, peace, joy, and love? Have they all been fulfilled already in your life? Have you experienced these gifts from God? And most importantly, are you sharing these gifts with others? Are they evident in your life? These are questions I'd like to explore this morning as we wrap up our series, The Promise. We saw how God's promises changed the lives of Simeon, the shepherds, Zechariah, Mary, and everyone that encountered Jesus Christ. Their lives have been changed. Well, what about your life? Has it been changed by Jesus Christ? Have the promises that God gave taken hold? And do they make a difference in your day-to-day -day life? I'm going to fix this one last time, and then I'm going to stop touching it. Okay, great. So, we talk about hope. John, do I have controls, or do you? Ah, I do. So cool. Let's see if I can keep this remote up here. Those of you that have been here before know that I'm kind of violent when it comes to stuff up here. So, Simeon had been hoping his whole life for the arrival of the Messiah. And God kept that promise in his older age. Simeon was drawn to the temple by the Holy Spirit, and he saw the baby Jesus as Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord, just as the Jewish law and tradition had said. Simeon knew that finally the Messiah had come. And today, our hope, like Simeon's, was not just in hoping that a good day would come, but hoping that Jesus would come a specific person at a specific time. Jesus is not just the baby in the manger. Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord and Savior, the Messiah for the whole world. According to Peter, our hope is in Him. Our hope is in God. And it's made alive when we are born again and become part of God's kingdom. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 and 21. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And listen to verse 21. Who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Both of these verses talked about Christ's resurrection from the dead. He was raised in glory. He was raised in his perfected body. He overcame sin. He overcame the grave. And that is where our hope lies. That Jesus was able to provide eternal life. He was able to bring new life. And when we're born again in him, that hope becomes alive in us. The very beginning of John, and we've read this passage several times this season, John 1.9 tells us that Jesus Christ, God's Son, is the light shining in a dark world. In Matthew 5.14 and 16, Jesus said to his followers, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your works, your ministry, and give glory to God, your Father, in heaven. Jesus came as the light to the world, but then he said, you now carry that light. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you've trusted him and him alone, his light shines through you. And Paul tells us it's not our works, it's not us being glorified, but it's God being glorified in and through us. So our hope is set in Jesus Christ. That life brought light into a dark world. He told people that things were going to be better, that a new kingdom had arrived, the kingdom of God, and that hope made peace with God possible. Hope made eternal life possible, that we could find out that this life was not the ending for us, for our loved ones, especially as we struggle right now globally with COVID. We still have two teachers in the hospital. And Valerie is in ICU this week, so we really need to be praying for Doug and Valerie, be praying for Kay. She was in the hospital earlier this week. We are seeing illness. We are seeing loved ones leave us, and that is so hard. But the Bible tells us that we don't face death. We don't lose loved ones without hope as those who don't believe. Because the gospel tells us that there is life eternal to all who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. We have hope in the future. We have hope of restoration, hope of those loved ones seeing them again, hope of this world being restored to what it originally was. Jesus' light gives us hope. And then as we share that light with others, we point them to the hope in Jesus. Listen to Colossians 1, 27 and 28. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Our hope of eternal glory is found in Jesus Christ being shown in our lives. He's the reason that we have hope for glory. He's the reason that we're focused not just on life here on earth because that's all we see. That's what we're used to. 
we think about the things going around us and think this is just terrible. Where's my hope? But God's kingdom is not just about today. God's kingdom is eternal and it's about forever. It's about spiritual things. It's about life beyond what we can see. And so when we have Christ in our lives, our perspective is not just the here and now. We care about that. We care about the people around us. But our perspective is for what's coming next. We see people struggling and hurting, and we hurt with them because we know that they need Jesus Christ. Our world needs Jesus. And we are the light to show him. Knowing and glorifying Jesus, as Paul said here, warning everyone, teaching everyone with wisdom to become more like Jesus so that they can see that hope and know that that hope is within us. The light of the world shining in and through your life. Our hope is in Jesus and in his promised return, restoring all that has been broken in this world. When we see things not going right, we shouldn't be surprised. We know that that's the effect of sin. And those things are not what God planned for us or for the world. But God has allowed those things to happen because he is just. And when people choose their way over God, they and we experience the consequences. But the good news of Christmas is that Christ came in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness, to offer us new life. He doesn't promise to fix all of your problems here and now, right this minute. But he promises you peace. He promises to be with you throughout all of those difficult days. He promises to close that gap between a holy and perfect God and a sinful person. When we recognize that, when we recognize our sin and we repent and say, God, forgive me. I've sinned against you and against you only. When we confess that sin and believe that only Jesus' blood can wash it away, only God can forgive us, then we can accept the gift of eternal life. And that hope becomes ours. And it's something that we can share with others. For those of you that have been believers for a while, the question that we ask ourselves is our hope in what God's going to do for us, or is it in God Himself? Sometimes we take that hope and we hold it onto it and say, oh good, now everything's going to go perfectly. It's going to go just the way I planned. God's got my back. He's going to make everything easy. Nowhere in the Bible does, that tell, does it tell us that. Jesus said, be ready for tribulations, be ready for trials, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Your hope needs to be in me, in a relationship with me. He promises us grace to face those challenges. He promises us strength to face each new day and the struggles that they might bring. And he promises eternal life to bring his children home. Simeon's hope was firmly placed in seeing the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And as a, as a result, at the end of that chapter in Luke, it says, Simeon praised God. He held baby Jesus. He blessed Mary and Joseph and said, you are experiencing God's love and his hope right here, right now. And you have the blessing of raising this boy to become the savior of the world. And he proclaimed 
the good news. He proclaimed the gospel when he experienced that hope. The result of hope in your life should be letting that light shine through you. Being a person of hope, sharing that with other people, and letting them understand why you have hope for tomorrow. Why you face life differently because you know Jesus Christ. Encouraging others with that hope. Our second week of Advent and the candles apparently are going to make it. Are you, have you been watching them to see if they're going to make it all the way through? Candle number one is getting pretty low. We'll have to see if I can preach fast enough to end before it reaches the bottom. I didn't time it, but we'll see what happens. Peace was our second theme of Advent. The angels appeared in that dark sky over the fields of Bethlehem. And they proclaimed peace on earth for everyone, not just for the nation of Israel, not just for God's chosen people, but for everyone. And the angels, because of God's direction, appeared to the lowly shepherds, these men who their society would have called outcasts. They had the the worst job. They were out in the fields alone, sometimes for weeks at a time, looking for pasture, looking for good water, taking care of the sheep. And the angels arrived proclaiming good news to them. Think about that. If you were a president coming to town, who would you let know about your visit first? Probably the mayor, probably the elected officials, probably the well-to-do people, the influential bankers and the people who are running the businesses, maybe the heads of the schools. You'd make sure all of those important, wealthy people knew about your arrival so that they could be there and cheer you on and you could get extra points with them. When God became flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, he came to earth and he chose to announce himself to the people that nobody cared about. And wasn't that Jesus' whole ministry? Looking for people who were lost, looking for people who were broken, who needed hope, who needed peace, people who needed joy and love in their lives. Those are the people that we need to make sure we're sharing the good news with. Adam and Eve, all the way back in the garden, chose their own way instead of obeying God. And that rift caused a separation between all mankind and God. In Ephesians 2.14, Jesus said, He Himself is our peace. He's broken down that wall of separation between us and God. He paid for our sin on the cross. And the peace that Jesus brings is not necessarily just an absence of trouble. When we think of peace, we usually think, oh good, there's no war, there's no strife, there's no conflict going on right now. But this peace is not just about those things being gone, but it's a confidence in what's happening. A confidence that God is in control, and don't we need that right now? Doesn't the world need that? To know that God is still in control? God knows who's going to get sick and who won't get sick. He knows who he's going to take home to heaven sooner and who's going to be here longer. 
He knows all of those things. He's in control, even in the chaos. It's not about our immediate circumstances. Peace from God is about trusting Him, relying on Him, and knowing that He's the faithful God, not only to fulfill all the promises that He made in Scripture, but that He will walk with us through even the most difficult times. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Philippians 4 tells us more about that peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If our thoughts are focused on the chaos around us, on the problems in the world around us, if that's all we see, then we're not going to experience peace. But Scripture tells us that we find life, we find peace when we submit to God, when we obey Him, when our hearts and our thoughts are focused on Him. When, you, when we choose to trust God instead of being anxious, instead of worrying, when we bring everything to God in prayer. So many people have said, well, if God knows everything, why do we have to pray? Why do we have to tell him anything? And the answer is, it's for us. When we bring our requests to God and we lay them before him, we can let go of them. And we can say, God, I'm giving you these worries. You promised to care for me. I don't have to carry them any longer. I don't have to carry these burdens. Jesus said, cast your cares, your burdens, your worries on me. Because I care for you. That's a relationship with a God who loves you. To bring your worries to him. Bring your concerns to him. And say, God, can you take care of these? I can't handle it. You worry about it instead of me. Can you remember those times as a child when you were worried about something? Maybe your goldfish was swimming a little slower and you went running in and told your parents, what am I going to do? Goldie is looking sick. And they said, that's okay. We'll, we'll take care of it. And as a child, you trusted your parents. And whether they replaced the goldfish or they actually made your goldfish better, you didn't have to worry about that anymore. God says, bring those worries to me so that I have them under control. Recognize that I'm going to take care of them. You don't have to keep worrying he tells us to thank Him, to bring our thanksgiving to Him, remembering all of the blessings. And when you do that, your heart is encouraged because you see how God has been faithful in the past. You're reminded of how good He is and all of the things that He's done for you. We experience God's peace in our lives when we trust Him to resolve our problems. Peace from God goes beyond all human logic, comprehension, or understanding. 
the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind from fear and worry. When the shepherds heard this message, what was their response? They ran to see the baby Jesus. They believed it. They believed the message. And when they saw Mary and Joseph, and they saw this baby, just as the angels had told them, they realized they had seen the face of God. And Scripture tells us that they went rejoicing and proclaiming the good news to everyone they met. I remember my grandfather sitting around the table with us and starting another anecdote, another story, and he'd say, stop me if you've heard this one before. And of course, we never stopped him. But he told those stories enough times that hopefully we would remember them. Think about these shepherds in their old age, having them over for dinner. Have I told you the one about the angels showing up on that dark night? When we fell down in fear, and then we ran across the hillside and we saw Jesus. We saw the Messiah. That's a story that they loved to tell, and they couldn't stop telling it. When you've experienced God's peace, and you've experienced Jesus, you want to tell everybody. You want to share that good news with the world. And that brings us to joy. Zechariah, a priest who had served God faithfully, was an older man. He and his wife Elizabeth had been praying and praying for a child, waiting for God to answer that prayer. And they experienced joy when they heard good news. Again, an angel came to Zechariah and said, God has heard your prayers and he's going to give you a son. And that son is going to be the forerunner, the announcer of the Messiah. What great news, what joy that brought. It was greater than anything happening to them in their lives. Greater than just the birth of a new child, but the fact that the Messiah was coming. And they couldn't help but share that good news with others. Joy that runs deeper than our immediate circumstances comes from knowing Jesus as your Savior. Knowing that God's promises are all trustworthy. Knowing that this book from cover to cover is true. And that all these things have either happened or will happen. Jesus is returning. He will come again. He will bring his children home to heaven. And God will make this world and this universe over again. He will make them right again. Knowing that God is in control, just as we talked about in hope, moves our thoughts beyond what's happening right now. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, This is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is God's plan for you. Sanctification is a big Bible word that means becoming more like Jesus. And that's God's desire for every one of us. Once we've trusted him as Savior, he who be, has begun a good work in you will not leave it. He will complete it. And the day that we stand before him in heaven, it will be finished and complete. Scripture tells us that we will see him as he is, and we will be like him. We will be like Jesus. We will be holy and righteous before God, fit for heaven. And the Bible tells us 
that our thoughts, our desires, our actions, our words should all be showing people around us what Jesus is like. When people meet you, have they met Jesus? Or do you leave from having spent time with someone and thinking, wow, I made it through that. That was really not something I enjoyed. And sometimes that's the holidays, putting up with family members or seeing friends, or maybe it's at work, people that you're just trying to endure being with them. The Bible says, instead of just enduring people, I want you to love them the way I do. I want you to see them the way I do. I want you to see the pain and the difficulty that you feel them inflicting on your life and recognizing that's all because of sin. It's because they don't know me. Seeing them with compassion and love and desiring that they would know Jesus just like you do. That's why James said, we can count it as joy when we face trials. Because when we pass those tests of faith, we become more steadfast. We may become more secure. And we are complete in Christ. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will experience my love. And I'm telling you this so that my joy will be in you and your joy may be complete and it may be full. Following Jesus' example, obeying his word brings joy. Our natural sin nature tells us to do things that make us happy, to do whatever we think is best for us. And scripture says just the opposite. Love other people the way God loves you. Love them so that you're doing what's best for them, not for you. Say what's best for them to encourage and build them up in truth. Do what's best for them, pointing them to Jesus Christ, not doing and saying what will make you feel better, what will make you feel like you've been righted for whatever wrongs they did to you. That's what brings real joy. When Zechariah experienced that new son, that new birth, and he said his name is John. He had to write it on a tablet because he didn't have his words back yet. He experienced joy, unspeakable joy, and he shared that with everyone. He said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Zechariah had been silent for maybe nine months, waiting for that baby to come. And when he finally had an opportunity to talk, he wasn't getting back at everybody for all the things they had said or done, for all the things that he heard. He praised God. He shared his joy with everyone around him. And he shared the salvation that had come through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So as a follower of his, will you share God's joy? Will you choose joy over worry? Will you rejoice in all that God has done? The things he is doing and the things that you trust him to continue to do in your future. Share that joy. And finally, we wrap up with love. Mary and Joseph have a beautiful love story of a young couple looking forward to marriage. And then God 
and his plan kind of changed things a bit for them. They had a baby coming before they were married. Joseph had to trust and believe his fiancée when she said, I wasn't unfaithful to you, Joseph. This baby growing in me is from God. And God sent an angel to encourage Joseph and said, this is true what Mary has said. Believe her, believe me. The Son of God is coming. The Messiah is coming. God's love may be messy in our lives. It may cause us to do things that we're uncomfortable with, to do things that we didn't expect to do, but that love is unconditional. He loves us despite our sin, despite our failures. God's love is eternal and it's selfless. God isn't thinking of himself. He's thinking of us. God's love always wants what's best for us to see us becoming more like his son, Jesus Christ. And as Jesus hung on the cross, as he looked down at the people who had just nailed him there, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's love. That's the love that God sent into the world. And our response to that love should be acceptance, accepting the gift of Jesus Christ. It should be submitting to his desires, his will for our lives. It should be obedience to his word. It should be continual thanks to God, praising his great name. And then as we saw, as we're the light, we share that love with those around us, glorifying God. Other people seeing God's love in our lives, not because we're such great people, but because we've been redeemed, because we've been saved, we've been transformed, and that love shows in everyone else. We heard Ephesians 2 a little bit earlier, as Bruce shared that with us. I'm just going to reread two of the verses, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God didn't love us because we were great people. He didn't love us because we were worthy. In spite of our sin, in spite of turning our back on the God who created us, the Savior who was nailed on the cross for us, in spite of all that, He loved us and offered us eternal life. And He makes us alive again in Christ because of grace. Nothing we've done, nothing we deserve, but God's grace alone. When God's love disrupted Mary's life, she accepted all that was coming, even the pain of watching her son die on the cross. Mary's love was evident to everyone around her. Is yours? Has the love of Christ transformed your life? Are you a more loving person because of that? In John 13, Jesus said, People will know that you're my follower because of your love for one another. Love others the way I love you, unconditionally, faithfully, selflessly. Does that sound impossible? If you think about the past week and the people that were unkind to you, to love them selflessly and faithfully? The angel said to Mary, yes, these things sound impossible, but with God, 
Nothing is impossible. God transforms the lives of believers and he gives you the ability to share that love. So some takeaway questions for you this morning. We're going to make it before the candle goes down. Do you have hope about today and about the future? As you look at the world around you, as you look at the struggles within your own family, in your own life, is there hope in your life as you trust God? Does God's peace guard and protect your thoughts and your heart? Or is peace something that's elusive? Something you wish for, but you just feel like you never get? God gave us the formula. Turn your worries, turn your cares, your anxiety, turn it all over to him. Rejoice, thank him for his blessings and his mind. He will keep and guard your mind and your heart with his peace. Is your joy obvious to other people? Through your heart, through your words. We've talked about this before, but when you walk into a room, does everybody smile? Or do they think, okay, here we go. Here's a chance for me to show God's love. Are you the person showing love and joy? Or are you the reason other people have to try harder to show love and joy? Christians above anyone else should be the most joyful people, shouldn't we? Is your joy obvious? And finally, do you love others the way God loves you? Forgiving others the way he forgave you. Showing grace to others the way he shows grace to you. His mercy is new every morning. Do you start each day showing mercy to those around you? Sometimes our loved ones, the ones in our family, the ones in our house that we live with day in and day out are the hardest ones to show these things to because our patience sometimes wears thin. And God says, I want you to show each other love. To show your children how much God loves you. To show your spouse that your love is undying. It is faithful to the very end, just like God's love is. Hope, peace, joy, and love. These are all gifts from God, from our Heavenly Father. If you've never accepted the gift of salvation, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the first step. Maybe you've known about God your whole life. And I've heard this from so many people. I've known Jesus since I was a little boy, since I was a little girl, I've always known about Jesus. But knowing about him and knowing him are two different things. One of my friends in Indiana used to say it took eight inches for that to travel from my head to my heart. To go from just a knowledge to a change in my life. To trust God, to believe his promises, to really know Jesus personally, to know his love. If you're watching online this morning, welcome. You can contact me through the church office. And if you're here, I'd love nothing more than to spend time with you today talking more about how you can know the Savior. So stop and find me 
after the service. If you're already a follower of Jesus Christ, is he on display in your life? These things that we've talked about today are all parts of the works of the Holy Spirit. Let him be in control of your life. Let the fruits of the Spirit show up in your life. Peace and joy and love. As we begin a new year in just a few days, take a deep look at your life. This is always a good time to pause and reflect and think about where you've been going and where you want to go. You know where God wants you to go, to grow closer to Him, to live your life so that you experience all of these things just as God has planned for you, to live a life that is full of peace, full of love, full of joy, and full of hope when Jesus is on display in your life. Mark's going to come. We're going to sing a closing song. Please bow with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we could be together on this day after Christmas, that we could celebrate, so we could continue to sing the songs of the season about how you sent your Son to be the Savior of the world. Thank you, God, for loving us so much and caring about us, and thank you that we can share that good news with everyone around us. This is the testimony that God the Father gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Jesus Christ. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. In that beautiful, wonderful, matchless name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.